This is WFG Insights, your download on the real estate market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending, keeping you informed and ahead of the market. In this download, WFG Chairman and Founder Patrick Stone joins us to offer an optimistic outlook for the year ahead, with caution for several concerns that remain. And Pat, glad you could join us. It's been a while since we've talked. And I want to kick this off by asking you about the overall economy. You know, we've been hearing about a recession for years now. And the longer it goes, the less it seems likely. Uh, Give us, first of all, an overall economic outlook for the year ahead. Well, let me start by uh, offering you a quote from one of the economists that I always thought the world of. John and Kenneth Galbraith, who was probably one of the leading economists in the uh, second half of the 20th century, he had a quote that uh, went something like this, the only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology credible. Uh, <laughs> his point there was that at no point in time are all the economic variables the same as they were in any prior circumstance. So consequently, it's very, very hard to forecast with certitude. But what you can do and what you should do is be aware of what's going on, all the factors that are impacting the economy, and think through how the different possible scenarios will impact your business and what you will do if A happens, B happens, or C happens. So you asked me to give you an overall view of the economy. Uh, The overall right now, the economy is very, very good. I mean, employment's low. We have ample investable capital in this country. Real GDP growth was 3.3% year over year in Q4 2023, which is extraordinary, especially in light of everybody's negativity. And then 2024 GDP is expected to go up another 3%. So economically, we're in really good shape. Now, there are issues out there, I think, that concern everybody. Obviously, we have two ongoing wars. And then I make comment on that. People say, yeah, but they're not impacting us. Well, they are starting to impact us. The Suez Canal has been basically shut down. And uh, whether you realize it or not, the Panama Canal is almost shut down. Uh, The Panama Canal, because of water, uh, the water in the lakes that fill up the, uh, the locks is very low. So the traffic through the Panama Canal has been cut way back. Uh, traffic through the Suez Canal right now is almost dead still because of the attacks out of Yemen. Uh, so you've had this impact on the cost of a delivery of some goods. Now, it's nowhere near what it was during the pandemic with supply chain uh getting all uh, bollocked up, if you will. But it is having some impact. The cost of shipping has gone up a little bit. So you have that going on. The two wars are impacting us. Of course, the uncertainty they cause also uh, uh, cause people to be more cautious, if you will. Another thing that's impacting, I think, in terms of maybe not necessarily negative, but uh, potentially a negative, is that the world's second largest economy, China, is on the ropes. I mean, it is in really bad shape. They've got way out over their skis. They have a tremendous amount of debt. They have a real estate problem. Uh, I think I mentioned this before on one of the shows was that in China, you go to have a home built or a condo built or whatever. You sign the mortgage and you start paying on it when you sign it. Uh, some of those people have been paying for a couple of years and don't have a don't have any place to live. So uh, they've got some issues in China. We'll see what happens there. And I don't want to get political, but we have what I call a dysfunctional political system right now. And what's dysfunctional about it is when I was younger, we used to define democracy as the art of compromise. 
Uh, I'm not quite sure where a compromise went, but it got thrown out. <laughs> we're not compromising on anything. So we're having lockups and, uh, that are going to cause us problems if we don't figure out how to how to reach a compromise. And I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying the two sides need to come together and compromise so that we can go forward. We need to have a funding bill. We need to raise the debt ceiling. We need to do a lot of things, and we're not getting it done in a very timely manner. So that that scares me a little bit. Probably the biggest issue right now in my mind, if you will, from an economic point of view, is the uncertainty of the $1.5 trillion in commercial real estate debt coming due over the next 20 months. That's a heck of a lot of loans that will come due uh, between now and the end of 2025. So what you have is $1.5 trillion. Now, I've looked into this fairly extensively, and there is ample capital out there to step in and buy a lot of these assets from regional and community banks. But if that money does not step in and buy those assets or take those assets over, we will have a problem. We will have some uh, regional and community bank failures. Uh, then, uh, you know, things are tight right now financially. They'll go through the roof. Uh, things will get really, really tight. So I watch that very carefully. Again, I'm cautiously optimistic that you're going to see enough investable capital step up and take over those assets. Uh, so that you're not going to have a tremendous crash and you're not going to have failure on the bank level. So we'll see. But I think that 2024 could be a very good year. Obviously, it could go the other way, but all signs are pointing right now towards a pretty reasonably good year. Have you written off uh, a recession this year? Well, um, you know, it's have I written off a recession this year? Depends on what happens, Brian. I mean, obviously, if one of those two wars escalates uh, significantly, uh, if we have, a, you know, if we have some problems that we don't, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. But unless something happens that's negative and impactful, I don't think we'll have a recession this year. It's good to hear, you know, inflation's under control now. It doesn't mean that prices that rose are going to come back down anytime soon. We know that. But, you know, you see things like gas prices are, are down. It just makes you feel better, right? I think, you know, most people out there who, you know, buy gas and drive a car and <laughs> things like that. I mean, it just it feels better now than it did maybe even six months ago. Do you get the same sense? Well, in some levels. Now, uh, also, I would point out that credit card debt's up. So I think it depends on where you are in the economic ladder. If you're towards the bottom of the economic ladder, you're not feeling very good about anything right now. I mean, it's, it's kind of tough. Interest rates are high. Things are problematic. We've gotten a, a significant amount of income disparity in this country over the last 40 years. It scares me a little bit, to be honest with you. And I hope we figure out a way to address that either through, uh, I don't want to get, again, I don't want to get off tangent on a tangent here, but uh, either through more universal education for everybody or something. We've got to do something because income disparity is becoming a problem. Uh, you and I probably feel pretty good about what's going on economically. Someone that's a lo- at the lower end of the economic scale is not feeling very good about anything right now. Yeah, good point. Uh, at least gas prices are down a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's a great point. So uh, interest rates, you touched on that a little bit off the top. And, um, you know, it, let's talk about mortgage interest rates specifically. The Fed uh, not necessarily directly tied to mortgage-backed securities or the 10-year, but it does. Uh, those two do move in tandem. Uh, what's your interest rate forecast look like now for the year? It sounds like the Fed's pretty well, you know, locked in on what they're going to do as of now, but it could change pending what you just shared. They'll do at least two cuts this year, maybe three. I see mortgage rates getting down to 6% by the year end. 
Um, you know, you look at the market right now, you and I were talking a little bit about uh, the West Coast picking up. Uh, but overall, the country, uh, overall countrywide uh, residential real estate hasn't picked up meaningfully. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot in the first half of the year. If the Fed cuts in May, then you'll start to see mortgage rates come down. I do think they're going to come down meaningfully in the second half of the year. I think they'll be down to 6% or maybe even under 6% by year end. I'm right now looking at the second half of the year and saying, hey, uh, real estate activity will be up 15 to 30% in the second half of the year, depending on how fast the mortgage rates come down. Well, and for everybody in the industry, from where we have been to where we could go this year, that's promising, right? And it's hard to see a, a real big upward movement or in activity because inventory is still super tight, right? I mean, and that doesn't seem to be alleviated anytime soon. You know, it's really funny. I have a couple of fairly uh, significant relationships with large builders. They're prepared to build a lot of homes, but they're not going to get out in front of the bus. They're not going to go play on the freeway. They're going to make sure things have changed before they really step up. I do think building activity will step up meaningfully in the second half of the year. Um, I do think you will see people selling their homes and, uh, you know, relocating. You and I have talked about this too. A lot of conversation about the low rates that everybody got mortgages at locking up the market. But actually, that's more of a sociological problem than it is a rate issue. I think I pointed out to you before that the average percent of the U.S. population moving in a year was between 18 to 20 percent back in the mid 80s. Now, right before the pandemic, it was down to eight and a half percent. So sociologically, we have changed. We don't move as often. We tend to put money into our house, fix it up, uh, make additions or whatever, a swimming pool or whatever. We try to fix up where we live more so than moving. But I do think if rates come down, builders will start building. I do think people will downsize or relocate. I don't worry too much about inventory being a horrible problem as things pick up. I don't think inventory is going to be a huge problem. We'll see. I'm not pessimistic about it. You mentioned uh, consumer debt too, credit cards. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who purchased uh, ATVs or trailers or boats or things like that over the last couple of years. And I'll tell you, just word around the campfire of uh, some of the guys I hang out with, you know, you start to hear chatter of, well, I'm not using that like I thought I would, or, you know, things like that. And, <laughs> yep. Right. And so I think we'll start to see, uh, you know, some of those things uh, coming back on the market, two and three year old uh, I guess, assets, if you will, maybe not so much anymore. But um, I bring that up because, you know, I talked to the mortgage folks out there and, you know, you have people who had or have rates in the, let's just say the threes, but they've got consumer debt in the double digits. And so it does make sense for them to actually refinance. Maybe it's even an arm or something, but, and you're taking a higher rate, but if you're consolidating that consumer debt or you're paying off the trailer or the boat or whatever, that does pencil, it does make sense. So it's, it sounds like we're seeing some of that activity as well. Yeah, and you know we're uh, we're still seeing a very high percentage of cash-only transactions. You know, it's been running between twenty to thirty percent. I mean, so it's uh, yeah, but, but I think you will see some, especially rates come down a little bit. You'll see some debt consolidation, some revamping of the financial profile for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I heard the same thing in the uh, motorcycle industry, where you know prior to higher rates, you know five to seven percent cash deals. Now it's thirty. Okay, so. So we are seeing a lot of that. So 
There's plenty of money out there. That's a good thing. Um, where we go from here in terms of you know, the market, what's your outlook for this year? You kind of alluded to the second half of the year, uh, things potentially picking up. Uh, what's your outlook, though, if you, you look at that in terms of numbers? I mean, how does it play out? There's a lot of very knowledgeable people that would come out with projections for the year. A lot of them are right around where we were last year. I think probably the most common number, the most average number I've seen is like 4.3 million sales. I actually think we'll be in the high fours or actually up, to, uh, you know, probably in the high fours, like 4.7 or 4.8 million this year. And the next year, I think we're in the mid fives. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, unless everything goes the wrong way. The demand's there, and uh, you know, we, you and I have talked about demand and supply. I mean, the housing market is really, uh, it really runs contrary to uh, uh, how a lot of the financial experts look at investments. Of course, their uh, base case is, is the uh, New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ or one of the financial marketplaces. You look at houses, houses are demand and supply, and uh, the demand is is really pretty simple. It's need, desire, and affordability. And need is a function of population. In our population, we have a tremendous amount of people in first-time home buyer age or in the uh, 30s and 40s that will want to buy a home or move up. So we have tremendous need. Desire, I think the pandemic really heightened everybody's desire to control their environment. I probably in my lifetime have not seen a more impactful event in terms of social adjustment, if you will. We really are very cognizant now of where we live, how we live, where we go. We think a lot more about it now than we did five years ago, for sure. And then affordability is a big issue, right? I mean, if you get rates back down under 6%, then you're going to be in a, in a very affordable market. I tell people this all the time. I do not expect to see rates under 4% again. I think it's going to be a while before we get under 5%. we got a problem in this country that people just don't seem to understand, and that is that we have $34 trillion worth of debt. That's going to start impacting what we sell our T-bills for and everything else. So financially, that's going to cost us. That's going to raise our interest rates. That's going to keep our interest rates up. <laughs> this wasn't going to be released publicly. I would uh, add a few expletives deleted here about the idiots that don't seem to understand. $34 trillion in public debt is just astronomical. And that will cause us to have to pay more for uh, people to buy our T-bills and other financial instruments. So uh, you're not going to see, I don't think you're going to see rates under 5% again for quite a while. Uh, you'll never see them under 4% again because that, that was a function of quantitative easing. Yep. You had the, the Fed buying $120 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities and T-bills every month for nine years. They drove rates down into the 3% range. That was extraordinary. So affordability to me is something under 6%. You get under 6%. And you're going to be in a good housing market. And that's that's how it was traditionally back in the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, if we were well, like 5.75 on a 30-year fix, you were like, these are good times, you know, yeah. and didn't happen very often. You know, it's interesting, too, because I remember it had to have been five years ago. It was pre-pandemic, so probably 2018 or 19. I asked you, I was in your office, and I said, what's your biggest concern long-term? And you said debt. You said national debt. And here we are, you know. <laughs> it's a problem. You know, we've been uh, so fortunate because we have the world's leading economy. Uh, we've been able to fund our government 
almost seamlessly because people are willing to buy our T-bills because if you're going to buy any sort of government debt in the, in the world, ours was the best to buy because you knew the government would pay it, right? And you knew you would get your interest. I mean, you knew it would work. Uh, we're actually starting to raise some questions now with $34 trillion. I mean, we have more debt is, what, uh, 50% higher than our annual GDP. This is This is not good. It's getting out of control. Yeah. Yeah, they'll have to address it. Well, it sounds good. I mean, things sound positive and it's good to hear, you know, it's the beginning of the year and uh, see how it plays out. I mean, you definitely mentioned some things that could be a major concern here as things play out. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, it does if it does continue on the current path. It sounds like it should be a, a pretty good year, particularly in the second half of the year. Yeah, let's hope, uh, you know, let's hope that these wars abate because, whether you actually think about it or not, it does impact our economy because it puts, uh, puts an element of another layer of caution and uncertainty on top of everything else. So right now, if you're sitting there and you're saying, OK, um, you know, you got government debt, you have a, a dysfunctional political system and that we can't get anything done. And then you have a couple of wars. So you, you so you're probably uh, almost everybody is a little bit more cautious now than they normally would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd like to get rid of some of that uncertainty and get people back to the point where they're willing to invest, they're willing to think longer term. Uh, you know, most investments, uh, unless you're trying to beat the market or you got inside info, most investments are long term. They should be. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, great conversation to kick off the year, Pat. We'll keep an eye on things here. And uh, I know that you business wise uh, have made you know, a big acquisition here to kick off the year. So obviously when you do things like that, um, you must feel pretty good about the future here <laughs> in spite of well, what happened the last year. So it's, you got to get, you got to keep working toward the future. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm caught, you know, again, going back to what I said earlier about demand, uh, demand in the housing market is going to be very, very, very good uh, for as far out as you can see, at least the next 10 years. So if affordability comes back into line, the housing market will be good. And people say, yeah, Pat, but there's no inventory. Trust me, the builders can ramp that up very quickly uh, and they're ready to go. They are ready to go, but they're not gonna pull the trigger unless they have some certitude about interest rates in the future. And uh, when they have it, you're gonna see a lot of new construction. Well, it's a great uh, way to kick off the year, Pat. Uh, I know you're traveling a lot, uh, so safe travels and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. You take care, Brian. Thanks to WFG Chairman and Founder Patrick Stone for joining us. And thank you for partnering with WFG. 